Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Good morning, everyone. I love that line when he says, only when it's dark enough can you see the stars. Welcome back to the part four of this series, Hope in the Dark. Uh, fight that urge to go ahead and crack that glow stick. We're going we're gonna to get to that in a minute. But before we do, I'd like to start the sermon off this morning by reading a passage of scripture found in Acts 27. I love the book of Acts because it's the acts of the disciples and what they did for the faith. And so it's just one of my favorite books of the Bible. We're going to start in Acts 27. Just to give you a little context of this, this is written by Luke, who is traveling with Paul. And Paul is on a boat, and they're traveling overseas to Rome, where he's going to face Caesar to go on trial uh, for being a Christian, pretty much. And so they're on the boat, they're on this big ship right now, where we pick up the story, Acts 27, 13. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let, the, let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kada, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being toward, towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Syrtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard as well. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last, all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. I love Paul, little I told you so in there. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you'll surely stand trial before Caesar." What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you, so take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. Fast forward in the story a little bit. 
They, they get shipwrecked just as Paul said they would. They crash into a foreign island. And here's Acts 28, 7 through 9, while they're on the island. It says, near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kind for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Let's bow our heads for prayer real quick here. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this powerful, powerful portion of Scripture. And God, I just pray as we talk about this this morning, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would give us some hope, Lord, in the dark. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in part four of this series, and the whole goal of this series was to have a real and raw conversation about the issue of pain in our world. Why do we have to go through pain? If God is all-powerful, why doesn't he do something about our pain? Why doesn't he step in? Why doesn't he prevent it? We're talking about it. We're being real and raw and honest about it. And just about everyone I talk to lately, they have some kind of painful life circumstance they're walking through. I had dinner a few weeks ago with a friend He's been a Christian for 30 years. He's gone to church his, his whole life uh, since he came to Christ. He raised his kids in church, and he was just struggling a little bit. He said he was at church one Sunday, and he heard a person giving a testimony of the goodness of God. And he said this person said that they were not a believer Their whole life was dark, their kids were all messed up, their marriage was falling apart, but then he gave his life to Christ. And after he gave his life to Christ, his marriage was restored, his life was transformed, his kids started serving God, and everything started to go well for him. And my friend is talking to me, he goes, I wanted to be happy for him. And I know that's what transformation looks like for some people, and that's so great. But what about me? Like, why have I been serving God for 30 years, but my life isn't like that? My kids aren't serving God. They walked away from the faith. My marriage isn't great. I'm struggling in life right now. I'm stuck in a job I don't like. I've served, I've given, I tithe, I've, I've used my gifts for the kingdom, and I just feel like I'm in pain and I'm stuck. And a lot of people I talk with, that's what I'm hearing. And so this series is designed specifically for people walking through painful life circumstances and in desperate need of some hope. And so we've been talking about pain and how to endure it and how to respond to it. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you three truths about pain. Three truths about pain. Number one... No one likes pain. I've never run into someone who says, man, I just can't wait for some good old-fashioned physical or emotional pain to come my way. (laughs) I mean, life is just so good right now. 
Things are going so well. I've got so much money. I've got so much uh, peace in my life. So I'm just stress-free. Everyone's healthy. Everybody's. I just need a little physical or emotional pain. That's what I need. I've never met anyone like that. Because pain causes life to feel dark and hopeless. And when we're in the midst of a painful season, we don't understand what's happening to us. I'll give you an example of this. When I was a kid, one of my earliest childhood memories is my brother Tony and I racing down our hallway at our home, trying to win this race to the kitchen table. When my brother Tony knocked me into the side of a wall, This wasn't his fault, okay? I mean, maybe a little bit of his competitive nature was coming out, but he didn't mean to hurt me, but he knocked my head into the side of a wall. And I remember putting my head, my hand on my head, and then looking at my hand, and there was blood. It was the first time in my life I felt pain. I was scared. I was fearful that I remember. The next memory I have is I was in a hospital room. And I must have been very ornery because they wanted to touch my head, they wanted to clean the wound, they wanted to put a shot in my head to numb it and then stitch it up. And I wasn't having that, right? I was freaked out. I didn't know what was going on. So I'm just kind of throwing my hands everywhere. So they asked my parents to leave the room. And the doctors grabbed me and they put me in a straight jacket. And I, I'm, this is no exaggeration. Parents right here, you can ask them later. Put me in it. Maybe that wasn't exactly what it was. It was something that bound me up. And I'm watching my parents leave this room going, hey, you have the ability to stop what's happening right now. Dad, you're bigger than these doctors. Why are you letting them put me through this pain and suffering? And then I saw their faces when they turned around, look of horror. They wish they could intervene and take it away. But they knew In that moment, I had to go through that pain in order for my head to be healed properly and for the healing process to start. And so I realized that now looking back, they didn't want me to have to go through that pain, but it was necessary to get me on the healing process. Is it possible That's what God, how he looks at our lives. We're walking through pain. We don't understand why God doesn't intervene on our behalf. But maybe it's because we have to walk through what we're walking through in order to start a healing process and something bigger in life that he has for us. But nobody likes pain. We don't like this situation. I mean, these guys on this ship, the story we just read about, verse 20 says, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. They felt like they were going to die on that ship. Think about being on a ship with typhoon winds 
You're getting thrown around the ship day and night, 14 days, getting thrown back and forth. You're physically exhausted at this point. You're trying to survive and you're emotionally exhausted. Verse 33 says, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. He says, you've been so worried you haven't touched food for two weeks. Two weeks of this immense physical and emotional pain, fear, worry. Other versions of the Bible says they were in constant suspense for two weeks. None of us like this. We hate pain. We want to run away from pain and run towards comfort. I mean, if I could ask you, would you rather be in a hospital bed with something that you know is wrong with you, with doctors poking and prodding at your body, anxiously awaiting a diagnosis, or would you rather be in a day spa with those little cucumbers on your eyes, (laughs) being pampered and comfortable and relaxed? I mean, we're all choosing the day spa. Some of these guys are like, I, I'm not going to a day spa, man. I'm not going. But that's the first truth. The second truth about pain is pain produces perseverance. Pain produces perseverance. James 1, 2, 4, very familiar passage of Scripture says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know it's the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. Listen to this this verse. This verse is just amazing. Verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. All of us would love to have a faith that is mature and that is complete not lacking anything. But none of us really want to go through the pain that it takes to get there. Right now at this very moment, this very moment, I have a great friend of mine in the hospital. In July, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer all over his body, plus leukemia on top of that. And not only did they do chemothera- need to do chemotherapy immediately to try to get rid of the cancer, even if they got rid of the cancer, they still would have to address the leukemia after that. He'd have to get a bone marrow transplant, find a perfect match, get a bone marrow transplant to deal with the leukemia. I mean, my friend, we were playing golf in life group on a Tuesday evening. Everything was fine. Three days, four days later, his whole world changed. And I've gone and visited him a few times in the hospital, and I watched as he went through intense chemotherapy for 21 days straight, only to start the next day another 21 days. 42 days of intense chemotherapy. And this friend is one of the strongest men I I know. Um, And his cancer actually went into remission and they found a bone marrow donor for him that was a match. And he received a bone marrow transplant this past Wednesday and what they're doing now is they're in the hospital awaiting to see if this bone marrow takes. 
It takes five to seven days to see if his body will attack this or if it will take. Talk about pain. Physical. Emotional. And I've gone and visited him a few times. Pastor Tony, some staff members, some friends, we've gone. And every time we go, we pray for Henry. We gather around and we pray for him. We pray over him. And every single time after we're done praying, he says, I want to pray. And he, he prays. And I've listened to his prayers. Always heartfelt, always genuine. Well, this last time, about a week and a half ago, we went and visited him. And when he prayed this time, it was one of the most mature and strong prayers of faith I've ever heard, especially from him. It was just amazing. And I asked him, I said, what, what's this process been like for you? What have you learned? And he said these words to me. Pastor Tony was there. He said these words to us. He said, in the good times, we tend to ignore God. We don't spend much time with him. But in these painful situations, we grow so close to him. We're desperate for him. And I've sensed him in my life more than I ever have. I've seen him live out James 1, 2 through 4. I've seen his faith grow. I've seen perseverance take place in his life. I've seen a mature and complete faith take place in his life and in the life of his family. Because pain, it produces perseverance as much as we hate it. The third point, or the third truth about pain is that pain brings hope to others that are hopeless. Pain brings hope to others that are hopeless. In the book of Acts, the story we read, it says in verse 33, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried, you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good. Listen to this. For not a hair of your heads will perish. He took some bread, gave thanks to God before the mall, broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. Why was Paul so confident? Everyone's scared, right? There's 276 people on this boat. And Paul's the one standing up and giving direction to the crew. That's the captain's job, not a prisoner on board. No one lets a prisoner get up and address the whole crew. But Paul does. He gets up and he addresses the crew. Why did he have this peace? Why was everyone else panicked, but he had a peace? Why? Well, we see later in the story that an angel appeared to him and said, don't worry. You're not going to be touched. We know that. But I believe one of the reasons why Paul had so much peace is because he had walked through pain before. You're talking about a guy who was beaten whipped, put in prison, stoned, and not the recreational kind. Like, hit with rocks. 
Like that's what, it, what's what happened. Stoned and left for dead, dragged outside of a city and left for dead. He was put in prison. Him and Silas one day were put in prison. They were in chains. They were in blocks. And they began to worship. And what happened? The prison doors opened. I believe Paul could have peace because he had walked through pain before. And he knew God didn't bring him this far to take him back. And he could offer that painful experiences of the past. He could use those situations, those life experiences to give some hope to the people on the boat. Because of his perseverance through trials, his faith was strong, his faith was mature, and he knew God was going to come through. He knew it. But I love when he addresses the people on the ship. He says, I, I got some good news and bad news. Verse 23, he says this. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me and said, don't be afraid, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe in God. It will be just as he said, but, little detail here, we'll all be shipwrecked on an island. And we just gloss over that, but that's kind of a big point. We're all going to be shipwrecked on an island. Foreign island, we don't know. I mean, when Paul was praying about this storm that was raging all around him for 14 days, I'm sure Paul was praying for peace. I'm sure he was praying God, we don't need this storm. I mean, could you just, instead of making a shipwreck, could you just calm the storm? I mean, you did that for the disciples in the boat. Remember, there was a storm raging with the 12 disciples, and instead of making them shipwreck, you just said, peace be still. Can I have one of those moments? Could I just have the peace? I mean, I've served you faithfully. I've been beaten. I've been whipped. I've been put in prison. I'm, on, I'm in chains right now. Shipwrecked at sea. All because I'm trying to glorify you. Could you just snap your fingers and calm the storm? God could have done that. We know he could have. He did it with the other disciples. But he didn't do it here. And the reason I believe he didn't do it was because there were people on an island that needed Paul and needed to hear about God. Is it possible that these 276 men that Paul himself had to go through what they went through to get the ship to this island because the people there needed it? I mean, when you, when you look at the rest of the story, Paul ends up healing the main official's father and then everyone else on the island brought their sick. Do you think it's possible 
that those people on that island were crying out to God, maybe a God they never even knew, never even met, crying out to him for some kind of hope, some kind of healing, and God heard that prayer and said, you don't know me, but I'm going to send someone to tell you about me. Is it possible that a ton of good came from an extremely hard and painful situation. Absolutely it is. Because pain brings hope to others who are hopeless. When you're going through a painful season, you want to talk to someone who's walked through the same thing you've walked through, right? I've talked a few times about what I went through. I don't want to go into great detail about it, but back in November 2017, I had a 10-day anxiety attack, lasted 10 days where I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and my body was physically doing things it's never done and I couldn't control, and I didn't know what to do. It lasted about five weeks, but 10 days were the worst. And no one could really tell me what to do. And I had people who surrounded me who cared about me and loved on me, and that was amazing. I needed them desperately. My wife was amazing. My parents, friends came to my side. But what I needed, I needed to to hear from someone who walked through this. That's what I needed and had got on the other side. And I remember talking to a person who had walked through the same exact thing as me and was fine. And he told me, listen, is this happening? Is this happening? Yes, don't worry. Your body's going to heal. Your brain's going to heal. You're going to be fine. If you do this, do this, and do this, keep walking forward, you're going to be fine. And those words brought hope to my painful situation. And if someone else would have said those words, it would have been great, they would have been comforting, but they wouldn't have brought hope because I knew that this person had been where I am. You see, if you have never experienced that, you really don't know what it's like. It's like there's certain things in life if you haven't experienced, you don't know what it's like. Childbirth, okay, I don't know what that's like. Guys, we don't know what that's like. We can never even pretend to understand what that's like. But women, you know that that's painful. You don't want to talk to some dude who's trying to comfort you in that moment. You want to talk to someone who's been there, done that. If you walk through cancer, it's good for people to rally around you and support you, but you really want to talk to a cancer survivor. Say, hey, how'd you do this? How'd you get through this? What, am I, what can I expect? If you've gone through a divorce, you don't really want to talk to a person who has a perfect marriage in your eyes. You want to talk to someone who's walked through that and knows how hard and painful it is and can help you navigate those waters. If you experience the loss of a loved one too soon, the trauma of this tragedy that you're experiencing is tough. 
But the people who have walked through the same exact thing, what do they do? They can bring peace. Why? Because they've been there, they've walked through it, and they can show you life will get better. It won't ever go back to normal, but it'll get better. But those words are only so comforting because someone else has been there. See, pain brings hope to others who don't have hope. Pain can leave us feeling upset. It can leave us angry, confused, frustrated, disappointed, impatient. But I want to let you know, if you're in here and you're walking through something super hard, it's okay. It's okay to wrestle. It's okay to try to figure out and and wrestle with some things. But I want to give you a few powerful truths this morning about who God is in your pain, just to end this. Few powerful truths about who God is in your pain. And I can say this because I've walked through pain. Number one, God's good. He's righteous. He's true. He's faithful. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. The world may seem upside down, but the Lord is still right there. He's sovereign. He has a plan, a much bigger plan than you can see right now. But he does have a plan. We have to respect that God is God and we are not. It's his timing. His ways are higher than we'll ever understand. He's supreme. And listen to this. He has everything under control. It's dark right now. You can probably see me, but it's dark. If you look around to your right, to your left, it's hard to see anything. What changed from a moment ago? We had light and now we have darkness. This is how we can feel sometimes when we're walking through pain. But I want you to know that even though life gets dark and painful, the light is close by. All of you have a glow stick. You have a source of light right in your hand right now, in your grasp. And I believe as we break these glow sticks, Moments of freedom are going to come from many people in this place. The breaking of the glow stick is going to be symbolic of breaking certain darkness and pain in your life. So I'm going to give a few scenarios. And if you've experienced what I'm talking about, I want you to break the glow stick when I give the scenario that relates to you most. If you have experienced depression or anxiety I want you to break that glow stick. If you've experienced a broken heart or a wound by a person you trusted, a parent, a sibling, a child, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, crack that light. If you've experienced the loss of someone you care about too soon, crack the glow stick. If you've experienced a bad health report, 
and your future seems dark, crack the glow stick. If you've experienced the loss of a dream and you feel stuck in life, crack the glow stick. And if you're in here and you've experienced something painful that I haven't mentioned, go ahead and crack it. I want you to look around. It's a pretty cool sight. What once was full of darkness, a room full of darkness, not has, now has light, and it's not because our circumstance changed. It's not because we put the lights on that were once on, like we turned them, we didn't put them back on. It's because you have a light. And look around, church. We can help each other. We have a light inside of us because we have the spirit of the living God inside of us. That God who loves us so much sent his son to pay the ultimate price so that we can have life in him and have a light inside of us. And that's what you have right now. You have a light. You have hope. You have people all around you who have walked through pain, who've experienced hard things in this life, but they've cracked that glow stick and said, I'm looking forward to some hope. And we can have that because hope is available to us today. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.